0: This is HiFam. I'm Avital. Uni has 9.5 million likes on TikTok. Why? Because she has a list. A list of all the reasons you shouldn't have kids. 350 reasons at this moment to be exact. Reasons like because kids play with their own shit. Because kids can attract spirits and dark energies. And number one on her list, because babies equals parasites. Oh, and there are also 35 reasons you could have a kid, or you should have a kid, which include things like you get to buy the toys that you never had as a kid, or you can bribe them with candy. Why are today's young generation opting out of having children at a pretty rapid pace? Will our own children not want children? And do we even get to have an opinion? Should we care? And how might all of this influence us and our well-being and self-confidence? Let's talk about the birth rate drop and what it means for us as parents. Childless women are often characterized as unfulfilled, unhappy, and stigmatized as selfish. This is something that was pointed out in a rather comedic way by Chelsea Handler in a recent episode of The Daily Show. One thing that I have made abundantly clear is that I do not want children. I say it on stage, I say it in interviews, it's the first thing I say to myself in the mirror when I wake up each morning, right before I tell myself, God, you're a dynamic woman. She also pointed out that childless adults contribute to society. They are more likely to give money to charity, they maintain a lower carbon footprint, And they are the reason, as she says, that there are fewer screaming children on airplanes in movie theaters and in restaurants. And I'll absolutely have to admit that I am responsible for some of those screaming children in restaurants or on planes. So I totally get what Chelsea is saying here. She made a parody video titled A Day in the Life of a Childless Woman. And she digs the point a little deeper there. She used this get ready with me format like one sees so often on Instagram and TikTok. And you can watch it as Handa rolls out of bed, um, does her morning routine, which is somewhat unique and puts on her most impractical and stylish shoes since, as she said, she won't be chasing a child around a grocery store. The remainder of the day is spent flying to Paris for breakfast, followed by a quick workout on Mount Everest. It's all very realistic. And the rest of her month, uh, as we get to glimpse her planner, spread out on a page that says whatever the fuck I feel like across the calendar. No, I don't believe that Chelsea Handler hates kids and she says so. She says, I just don't want them. She'd rather be an aunt and a single free woman. When Chelsea was criticized by many in the media and told that she seems deeply miserable and unhappy trying to convince the world of how happy she is, kind of a case of the lady doth protest too much, this was her response. She said, these Fox News trolls are right about one thing. I am miserable. I'm miserable on the beach. And here I am miserable at the top of a mountain. And then I'm miserable again, smoking a joint in a hot tub. She says, I'm not having kids because I'm happier without them. And that's really not of anyone's concern, but my own. And she's not alone in this approach. There is evidence to suggest that the number of people who do not want children or are delaying parenthood has increased in many parts of the world in recent years. In the United States, the birth rate has been declining for several years and reached a record low in 2020. According to the CDC, the number of births declined by 4% in just one year from 2019 to 2020. Another study found that the percentage of women in the U.S. who reported being child-free, which they defined as not having any children and not wanting any in the future, increased from 9% in 2010 to 13% in 2020. In Canada, the fertility rate has been below the replacement level, that's 2.1 children per woman, since 1971. And the latest data shows that the fertility rate in 2020 was just 1.34, which is a record low. Similar things are happening in the UK, where the national statistics reported that the birth rate in 2020 was the lowest since the records began in 1938. In fact, 30% of British adults ages 18 to 24 said they would never want children. And in Japan, a similar trend continues with the birth rate that's been declining for many years in 2020, also reached a record low. And a 2019 survey found that 25% of Japanese adults ages 18 to 49 didn't want children now or in the future. So overall, while there are still many of us who want to have children, the trend towards delaying or opting out of parenthood appears to be a significant and growing one in many parts of the world. And I have to say that I relate to this trend because even though I come from a big family and my siblings all have children and I have always loved being an aunt, when I was in the early years of my marriage, I too kind of flirted with the idea that I may not want children. I understand that sense that looking over at parents around us and seeing how exhausted and depleted they are is not the best walking advertisement for having kids in the first place. Some people feel that strong biological urge or the great social pressure or just an innate desire to become a parent, but many of us don't. Many of us don't feel that drive and in fact have other things on our agendas like developing our careers or having freedom or being able to travel or build financial stability that, let's face it, are absolutely potentially going to be impeded by having children. And so I, I really can relate to that desire. I had that at one point in my life. And I really looked down, you know, that path of having children and thought, well, why? It seems, you know, terribly inconvenient. Parents seem exhausted. Kids seem to shake out everything that's not nailed down, you know, your bank account, your pelvic floor and everything else. And you have these sleepless nights and why go for it? right? Why, why commit yourself to something that is so lifelong? So even though I was married, which I consider a lifelong commitment, you know, you can get out of a marriage, but you can't really get out of parenting. And that felt like something that seemed very, you know, overwhelming. And I really wasn't sure that I wanted to do that. But I think there are some really good reasons not to have kids. I don't think everyone should have children. In fact, I think people who don't want children shouldn't have them because children deserve to be born to parents who want them. I think they need to be born to parents who want them, who are ready for them. That's really the ideal situation, right? And there are many legitimate lifestyles that people might opt to have. You have this one precious life and you get to live it your way, the way that you want to live it. I know of many people who have told me that they feel that they aren't resourced to have children, that they can't afford them, either financially or emotionally, that they don't have the stability, the mental health, uh, the network, the support system, the village that it takes to raise a child, and they don't want to do that to a kid. I know a lot of people feel that the world is overpopulated. They worry about climate change. And whilst I'm not fully equipped professionally to make that analysis, and I know that there are arguments in both directions, I understand that sense that I don't want to bring a kid into a messed up world right I don't want to do that to the child I don't want to contribute to the problem and of course there are other problems that come around with having a below replacement birth rate it comes with a whole host of other massive issues uh, mainly financial and I, as I say I'm not professionally really equipped to, to to go in depth in that I think it's a fascinating field and I read a lot about it but what I'm more interested in is this personal choice sense that I would like to prefer my freedom over the inconveniences of having a child. There are lots of kind of mixed up reasons and backstories and deep whys behind why people choose to have children or not to have children. And even in Chelsea Handler's own clip or in this list from uni where she writes her 350 reasons not to have children, there's a big kind of conflation between the different types of reasons that one might have. And some seem to me to hold a lot more bearing and a lot more weight and be a lot more serious reasons than others. So just looking down Uni's list, for example, she has things like, everyone will know you did the nasty. You can be allergic to pregnancy. You might get rashes. You might get fever. You're gums might bleed, you might get constipated, right? She's basically listing all of the physical symptoms that could be associated with pregnancies as a reason not to have children. And then there are some odd ones, like you can't change your cat's litter because that's not good for pregnant women, right? Or you might not know you're pregnant until you're five months in, or when you're giving birth, or the idea that, your uterus might instead calcify inside you for years. So she's bringing all sorts of these rather extreme and and varied symptoms and saying that this isn't a reason not to get pregnant or sperm have to swim inside you at some point. Ew, they tease you during a gender reveal party. (laughs) The creature inside you drinks its own pee at just eight weeks pregnant. So pretty interesting. And then she has reasons during the birth. Uh, you could turn into a human massage chair because of the extreme body shaking during labor. A child will burst through your vagina. So basically just outlining, again, the various symptoms that might might occur while you're, or will occur when you're giving birth, etc. And then she has post-child birth reasons. Uh, you now have a $37,000 medical bill in the US. Right, so then she's talking about the financial reasons. So first you had outlined some of the medical reasons, uh, the pain that you might experience, the various symptoms that you might go through. And then there's the financial reasons uh, around birth that, you know, all, all of those downsides, ideas like you will want to keep trying after the first baby till you get your desired gendered baby or one that you don't currently have. Maybe, maybe not. You might go up a shoe size or a couple of shoe sizes. Right, and then she has all of the cons of having a baby during the child's life, like waking up every two hours. Sure, uh, the idea that your baby daddy might leave you, or that they will learn, the child, in other words, will learn how to curse at you. Random tantrums, the poop, and the fact that you have to change them. They will pee on you at some point. Childcare is expensive. Screaming in the grocery store. They'll throw food at you. They'll poke your eyes. They'll pull your earrings. They'll pull your hair. Note that these are all distinct different reasons not to have children. They will always lose one shoe. They will always lose one sock, which is a completely separate reason, of course. Um, They could get bullied. They could become bullies. They have sticky hands. Uh, toddler sass. They'll tell everyone your business. They'll snitch on you. Uh, they might be allergic to your pet. They'll ask you to open things for them. They smell. They always fight for the same color they become a small version of yourself ps i hate myself she writes um so i can go on and on <laughs> some of these are really quite funny and i know that she does have this account as a satire account uh, in fact in her tiktok uh, account she says uh, the girl with the list just here trying to make you laugh so i totally get it this is comedy and, and we don't need to take it too seriously i just think it's really interesting and indicative and Chelsea Handler's skit is also comedy, but comedy often pertains to something serious, right? It's relating to something serious. And the drop in birth rate is kind of proof that this is a serious issue that people are taking seriously and making their life decisions based on these ideas. So what you'll notice in this list is that they're almost all the reasons are related to convenience, right? Financial convenience, medical comfort, kind of comfort and convenience like things might hurt things might be unpleasant things might be embarrassing uh, things might demand a lot of effort uh, things might demand a lot of investment when you have a child and these are all um kind of listed as reasons as as cons and as reasons not to have a child right she she actually posts these on her tiktok with the reminder to take your birth control right like oh here's your daily reminder because you know if you have a child she'll say for example uh, they might break your favorite thing right or they might shove tiny things up all their face holes or you'll always have to wipe them they'll actually make you go outside when it snows you'll need to buy three types of car seats okay now all of this is true and i think all of us as parents can totally recognize the truth and the humor in in these situations we all have gone through challenges and inconveniences with children but something kind of calls to me here with you know, I love that old Alfie Khan quote who says, if you're looking for convenience, then you might consider raising a tropical fish. The reason to have or not to have children could never be about convenience because it's a given that children are inconvenient. But I've said there are some really good reasons not to have kids. And the truth is there are also some really bad reasons to have kids. We'll be right back to the show. But first, let me ask you, Are you trying to get actual productive work done and parent little kids all at the same time? I know what that's like. I kept my day job, started a side hustle, and scaled my business all whilst birthing, feeding, raising, and schooling my five children at home. And I know that any tool that can help me stay organized and productive is a lifesaver. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to this week's sponsor, Sunsama. Sonsama is not just a plain old to-do list productivity app. It has amazing features that help us multitasking parents with big, busy lives stay on track with our to-do list and goals. For example, I love that it prompts me to plan my day the night before, including a shutdown ritual time. I love that it has a focus mode, which helps me focus on just the tasks for today and prevents any distractions from popping up. It's able to pull my tasks from email, Slack, calendar, all into one place so that I know I'm not missing anything important. If there's one thing you want to avoid as an ambitious parent, it's burnout. It's real, folks. Everyone suffers from some degree of it, especially nowadays when the lines between work and life are so blurred. Now, remote work is great for us parents, but sometimes it's almost as if you're not working from home, you're living at work. That's why Sansama actually prompts me when I'm scheduling too much work in a day and helps me protect the time that I want to unwind from work and be present with my family. It's wonderful to see a productivity app help us to rest and focus on other important aspects of our lives as parents. And they told me that over 8,000 people use this to prevent burnout. Sansama is almost like having a personal assistant and it's free to try. You don't even have to put your credit card in. So if you're working, writing, running a side hustle, or starting a business from home, go to try.sunsama.com forward slash HIFAM. That's try.sunsama, S-U-N-S-A-M-A.com forward slash HIFAM, H-I-F-A-M. You've got to check it out. All right, back to the show. People have kids for all sorts of reasons that don't necessarily set them up for the greatest success in their relationship with their child or in raising that child well. If you're having a child, for example, because it's your retirement plan, you know, not sure that's a great reason to bring a human into this world. It's also not to keep you company in your old age, although I very much hope your child is there for you in your old age. That's not a reason to have them, right? I also don't think it's great to have children to appease, you know, religion or your in-laws or your partner or the government, right? There are often many different pressures on women to have children. And you have to ask yourself, are those good reasons to have them? Is this the right scenario, the right vibe with which to bring a child into the world? And if you want children anyway, then those things might be fine, but they might not be the right reasons to actually go ahead and have a child. Some people have children because they just think it's going to be really fun to have a mini me, or to dress them up in my favorite outfits, or because they're just bored and not sure what to do with themselves. There are lots of different reasons people might have a child. Obviously, people have children by accident, not not making the decision at all because it wasn't planned. So there are all sorts of scenarios in which you might have a child and think actually the the backstory to this, the reasons, the deliberation, the intention wasn't quite there. It wasn't quite in the right place. However, I think. There are also bad reasons not to have kids. In other words, when I say bad, not bad like I'm judging these people, but maybe I am. The point is not to shame them. The point is to look at the wisdom, the, the validation, the depth behind the reason. And the main reason that I am hearing from the younger generation today of why they're not opting to have kids or people in my own generation is convenience. That's the main reason. It really boils down to comfort, And effort and convenience, and the desire to have ease and not to work hard, not to have big responsibilities, not to have to do difficult things, not to have to deal with gross things, not to be confronted with challenges. And those challenges might be physical, they might be financial, they might be emotional. um, But kind of this desire not to spend my life on someone else, not to spend my life kind of wasting my time. Uh, taking care of someone else. And that's a question, that's a reason not to have children that I have to question a little bit. You know, there are altruistic reasons like I wouldn't be good for the child. I'm not in a position to be a great parent or I have other goals and other meaningful pursuits in my life that I would like to pursue. I get it. I get it. I really get it and I understand it. But I do wonder about this because it kind of has a deeper um you know, statement about life in it. And that statement about life is something along the lines of, if something's hard, um, then I don't want to do it. If something's inconvenient, then I shouldn't have to do it. That things should just be easy. And the trouble with that is that there are some very good reasons to have kids. There are some very, very good reasons to have children. And I'm going to list some of them, although there are probably many more. But inevitably, having children involves inconvenience, right? So let's go into some of those good reasons. One of the amazing things about having children is that it connects you to humanity in a different way. It connects you to time and space. It grounds you, right? When you have a child, you are part of a continuum. You are part of a family tree. You are a link. You haven't just kind of been born and lived your life and there is no continuation, at least in the human form, there might be a continuation of your work or of your legacy, of your ideas, um, but you're not really part of the human chain if you don't continue it somehow, right? And there is something that having children affords us of being a sense that we, are, we belong, right? And I think that's meaningful to us on a selfish level for our own needs because it really kind of grounds us in the time and space that we live in. We have to contend with the real world, with, um, with biology, with uh, childhood development, with psychology, with relationships. It calls us. Uh, and this is, this is really maybe the next thing is that it, it provides something that's more important than you. And when you're not doing it because of inconvenience, what you're basically saying is my ease, my pleasure. Uh, my free schedule, my ability to hop on a plane to Paris is paramount in my life. And maybe you can do that well. Maybe you can lead a meaningful and giving and uh, you know, profoundly uh, fulfilling life in that way. But I think for most of us, that's difficult. I think for most people, it's hard to actually reach a level of growth and maturity when there isn't someone in your life that's more important than you. And I hope that your partner becomes someone who's even more important than you in your life, because I believe that that's what marriage can and should become. But certainly our children do that to us. They do that to us on the most biological, you know, evolutionary, a primal way. Just the fact of having a child really calls us to that level of maturity. It becomes something that demands of us a self-growth, a self-sacrifice, which I know is super not sexy, but that's exactly it. It's that you're giving of yourself more than you ever thought that you could or would or should or need to. That giving that's rooted in supreme inconvenience and in extreme discomfort sometimes is exactly the gift to ourselves because it inoculates us against many of the ills of modern day comfort crisis living, right? When when we're part of that comfort crisis that has taken hold over the weird countries of the world, right? The Western educated, industrialized, rich, uh, democratic countries of the world, then we might fall prey to the epidemic of narcissism, to the epidemic of kind of anxiety and depression and helplessness and hopelessness that comes with living just for ourselves, just for our own pleasure, just for our own ease. It's a huge contributor to the reason that people turn to substance abuse, that people have suicidal ideation or actually commit suicide, that people live in a sense of hopelessness and depression because there's nothing more important than themselves. They're not living for anything. And when you have a child, it really helps you to divert your attention away from the navel gazing, it becomes not just about me and my identity and my self-expression and my self-actualization, but actually about giving to someone else. Yes, it's my child, it's still me and mine, but it's something that calls us into that uh, giving position. And if we can do that well, if we can navigate that with wisdom, if we can do that without building resentment uh, over the years, but actually reach that level of of true giving, of of that altruistic uh, self-sacrifice, not complete self-sacrifice, right? Not no self-care, not depleting our resources, right? Certainly maintaining our sense of self and separation and healthy separation from our child. But still, if we can offer that secure attachment to another individual that they can rely on us, that they can depend on us, that we are openly here for them, that we will be there for them day in, day out through all those unsexy minutia and day-to-day grind of parenting, then I think that has a massive effect on our own self-concept, on our own level of self-growth and maturity. You know, it's not for nothing that Dr. Shafali says that parents don't need a meditation practice, that if you have young children, that is your spiritual practice. That is the place that you rise to those challenges that you kind of have to meditate by controlling your anger, by being there bedtime after bedtime after bedtime, by doing dinner after dinner after dinner, by handling the tantrums. You know, uni lists tantrums as one of the reasons not to have a child. And, you know, with respect, I would list tantrums as a reason to have a child. Contend with them. Face them. Face the dragons of humanity. Face the big bad feelings. Face the real intimate relationships that don't sidestep, that cannot sidestep those conflicts, that friction, you know, go into the friction, voluntarily face it, voluntarily shoulder that responsibility, pick up that mantle and say, yes, I'm going to be the parent here. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be providing unconditional love. I'm going to deal with your feelings, with your humanity, with your downsides, with your dark sides, with my own downsides and dark sides and humanity i'm going to decide that i'm giving myself over to this project to something that's more important than me so yeah i might not be able to smoke a joint in the hot tub whenever i want to although i think hopefully by the time i reach chelsea handler's age uh, my children will be grown and i will be able to do that although i don't smoke so i won't do exactly that but i'll have those freedoms that she's describing hopefully although i personally definitely hold the fantasy of being a very involved grandmother. And I really hope I get to have that honor and privilege. But, you know, by the time you're 47, which is how old Chelsea is, then if you've uh, raised your children, then hopefully you can, you know, wear some impractical shoes if you so choose or spend your money on charity if you so choose, etc. Those are great things to do. and, And I hope you can do them. But that doesn't mean that you can't also or first Raise children and have that meaningful human experience, that deep human experience of giving yourself over to someone else in such a full way. And yes, that involves inconvenience. It involves sacrifice. It involves discomfort. Another good reason to have kids is that I think if we put the question of overpopulation or, or on the flip side, the declining birth rate and the issues that that has, um, if we put that to one side for a moment, then it is without a doubt the most profound way that most of us get to impact the world. You know, most of us aren't out there with these, you know, massive conglomerates and, and NGOs and, you know, huge audiences and the ability to impact the world in any significant way through our work. Some people are. Some people are doing meaningful work with just individuals in their own community. Some people are writing meaningful things that will, you know, impact humanity. But the truth is that this... Thing that you're doing, parenting a child has far greater reach and meaning than most other projects that most people can engage in, right? It's a very fertile ground for impact, for change, for progress, for evolution, for spreading your values, right? Values of respect or kindness or tolerance or whatever it is that you want to spread, right? Creativity, uh, you know, being whatever you define as stand up citizens, as, as contributors to the world. Right? Healing intergenerational traumas, all these different things that you might hold as important as an, and as meaningful and that you might value in various organizations that are doing it. That is something that can happen on a micro and even macro level in your own family unit. I mean, if you think about it, this is a whole entire human that we're bringing into the world. And what you do as a parent absolutely impacts the future. This sends out ripple effect, effects that you can never even know. You can never even imagine how far-reaching that's going to be. My great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents and on and on have tremendous influence over me and over how I'm operating in the world and how all of my cousins and second and third cousins are operating in the world, right? Their legacy, their teachings, the way that they lived life, their integrity, their commitment, their creativity and resourcefulness and their love of life, And the stories that we have that have been handed down to us, but also perhaps embedded in our genes somehow, those have a ripple effect. Those influence how all of us are operating in the world, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our own children, the type of work that we do. And so parenting is actually a really great project to take on if you want to bring good into the world, if you want to be one of those families that's slightly healthier, that's slightly more healed, but slightly more integrated. You know, when I think about the various families that have impacted me throughout my life, and I think, wow, you could look around and think about the brands that have impacted you, the companies that have impacted you, right? People like to bring Apple as an example, right? And the, the, the massive revolutionary changes that Apple have brought to the world. I think comparable to that is looking around you at families that have made a profound difference in the world, that are doing an incredible kind of energetic presence that they're bringing to the world, their aura, their essence, their spirit, the way that they operate, it can teach us, it can heal us, it can give us so many gifts. You know, I think about one family in particular that I met about 16 years ago. And when I saw the way that they treated the death of their daughter and their living children and her memory and the fostering of the deep, intimate, and connected relationships that they were doing, it has impacted me and will impact me for the rest of my life. It has impacted my five children because it has changed the way that I parent them. It has impacted my partner because it changes the way that I am married to him. And that has these incredible ripple effects. So kind of when you look at companies, you could see their effect in terms of the profit that they make or the contribution or their inventions, right? And how they change the landscape of the world in that sense. Families also have a product that they are quote unquote selling or putting out into the world. When families put out into the world the values that they stand by, that, you know, when they kind of shine their own lights, as it were, right? Uh, being an example of how one could live, being an example of how one could be parented, of what a marriage could look like, of what a parent child relationship could look like, of what siblings might look like, of what a home means, of what it means to open the door and be part of the community and host of what it means to be creative or to be inventive or to be integrated and and part of a fabric of society, contributors, Um, that is their product. And that is also hugely impactful. So most of us aren't gonna be the next Steve Jobs, but we do have the potential to have a huge influence and impact on the world through our families. So there are good reasons to have kids. As I say, it puts you as part of a continuum. It helps you to see that there is something more important to you than you, which is good for you. (laughs) And it's without a doubt the most profound way we can impact the world. But it's true. It is certainly inconvenient. I'm not going to take that away from anyone. I'm not going to take that away from Chelsea Handler or from uni or from any of the millions of parents who could be, you know, would be parents who are opting out of parenting it's inconvenient. If you want a life that has no strings attached, that has full financial stability, uh, that is all about ease and, and, and fun, then no, children aren't going to, you know, add to that, add to that side of the equation. But could children add to the other side of the equation? Absolutely. Potentially, yes. And especially I'm talking to you because you're a parent. And if you've already had kids, there is a very good reason to see parenthood as an honor. As a privilege, as an adventure, to downplay the inconveniences and be like, "Yep, sure, it means that there's sometimes Cheerios in my hair," or "Yes, there are some medical symptoms associated with childbirth and and pregnancy, and they're not easy to deal with." And sure, it's a huge financial expense, or it can be to have children, you know. But hard things can often be incredibly meaningful, right? Children are not easy to raise. It's certainly hard to be a parent. It's inherently challenging, but it's also incredibly meaningful. And most meaningful pursuits are inconvenient. You know, if you think about the types of things that people in our culture often find meaningful, right? Like maybe it's something like running a marathon. Uh, Maybe it's something like climbing Mount Everest or competing in the Olympics or building a successful business uh, or building a house. There are many things, projects that people take on that that they find really fulfilling and satisfying, like, oh, I'm alive, I'm I'm doing life, right? This is meaningful. But notice how those things always involve a high level of inconvenience, a high cost, right? They come at a high cost. Running a marathon is extremely difficult to do. It takes many, many hours of training, right? It's physically and emotionally and psychologically hard potentially, right? And so that's why people feel that they have bragging rights when they've done that. I haven't run a marathon, but when I see someone who has, I admire them. Why do we admire them? Because not everyone can do that because we know that they put in tremendous amount of effort, right? Why do we hold certain positions like, I don't know, surgeons or Navy SEALs uh, in prestige Because we know that they had to go through grueling training for many years with a lot of sacrifice in order to hold those positions, in order to be trained that way. You know, there's a reason that we see a couple in their late 70s, after over 50 years of marriage, who have raised a few children together and stayed married and held some kind of cohesive a family narrative together throughout the years in a continuous way and in a consistent way, there's a reason we see that as an achievement, right? And that's not all just archaic, old-fashioned mumbo-jumbo. It's not something to throw out with the bathwater. When you see a a, a couple who are celebrating their ruby or diamond or whatever, gold anniversaries, We see that and we admire it. We're like, oh, you know, you see an old, an elderly couple holding hands on the beach and you think, oh, that's so sweet. That's so touching. There's a reason. And it's similar to the reason that when you see someone who has run the marathon, you're like, oh, wow, you go. Good for you. Right. Why? Why do we congratulate people for these things? Why isn't it just equally as admirable to be sitting on the couch and watching the marathon? Why? Because as humans, there is a deep part of us that recognizes that when people sacrifice for something and work hard towards something and achieve it, we admire that. We understand that that is a valuable pursuit, that that creates a sense of meaning, that that creates growth and maturity and an air around them that they are capable, that they can do hard things, that they can overcome challenges. Uh, And I think, that deserves our admiration. I mean, should we shame someone who doesn't run a marathon? No, (laughs) I don't run a marathon and I'm not ashamed. But do I admire people who do that kind of thing? You know, as long as they're doing it in a healthy way, I don't admire people who do that by trampling other people or by destroying their own health, right? Or by giving up on other important responsibilities in their life in order to run a marathon. Just as I don't admire parents who bring children into the world, despite it being a terrible idea for them, it's not. that's not something to admire particularly. Maybe it's also not something to shame, but it's. Just, that's not what I'm saying. But I think parents who take on that burden of responsibility, who take on the project, who look it in the face who say, yes, I'm going to rise to this challenge. I'm going to be that person who brings a child into the world and raises them and is there for them. That's, you know, that's not something to scoff at. That's not something to poo-poo. That's something to admire. It's hard. It's a big challenge. It's a big burden and it demands a lot. And it's a very high stakes project and it's highly complex and it's lifelong. And it's 24-7, 365. It's not a simple thing to take on. And so there's a reason that we see that as a feat of human capacity, especially when it's done well. And let's face it, having parents is absolutely crucial for the survival of our species. So if you love humans, as I do, right, you might want to be a part of that human fabric. You might want to be a part of those deep connections. And I'm not saying you can't have deep connections outside of being a parent, but I'm saying this is probably one of the most, you know, direct and deep roots to those relationships. So this is for you if you've already had a child, And you're seeing the massive trend and the massive rise in the choice not to have children. I want to tell you that you made an amazing choice. That sure, there are many people who shouldn't have children, who don't want to have children. And like, I wish them nothing but success. I have no judgment or reservations or shame for those people. But I want to be the one to put my name in in the hat and say, you know, kind of whisper in your ear that It can be incredible and amazing and an honor and a privilege and an adventure and a tremendously meaningful pursuit and a shortcut to the deepest of human connections, the deepest sense of satisfaction, fulfillment, and importance that a human can have. And so embrace the inconveniences. Yeah. Change the diapers, be up at night. Sure. We do all of that stuff as parents. That's just, you know, therein lies the rub and, and that exact rub is the shortcut, is the doorway to all of the meaning because you don't get the meaning without the deep, heavy investment, the heavy price, the self-sacrifice, the hard work. That's exactly where you earn your stripes. That's exactly that Navy SEAL training. And you get to emerge on the other side and feel accomplished, feel like you rose to that challenge, like you did hard things, like you faced the extremes of human capacity and you, you climbed that Mount Everest. And hopefully you'll get to enjoy the view from the top. But it's really more about the climb than the destination. So now I want to hear from you. Do you agree with what you've heard here today? Do you completely disagree? Great. Great. Either way, I would love to hear what thoughts have come up for you and use this episode to fuel a meaningful conversation in your own home. Let's talk about what it means to raise strong, resilient families, why we opt into them in the first place, and what it takes to build out that family culture that is strong, resilient, and incredibly meaningful. And if you're hearing this before April, 2023, then make sure to go to highfam.com and to get onto my newsletter. Because I'm going to be hosting a live boot camp called the Dream Family Boot Camp, where you will learn how to build a meaningful, resilient, and sustainable family culture. Where, although it might be inconvenient, it will also be astoundingly fulfilling. I'll see you there.